Well, it's good to be back with you guys. Um, last week, we got the, the privilege of going and hanging out at Summit with uh, our other church, and Pastor Scott was here. And uh, how many of you guys enjoyed or were encouraged by Pastor Scott's message last week? Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, I obviously wasn't here, but I listened to it later online, and I thought it was a great message for our community and encouraging our family over here. Um, one of the things I can't believe he got away with is he called you guys all cows. Um, did you guys even realize that happened? Yeah, he said, um, what, did he, what did he say? You guys look like cows standing at a new gate. Um, that's the point. And then he said, you may not understand that because that's a Texas saying. I don't know what it means that I'm from Iowa. We just have pigs and corn. Um, but you guys got called cows and we're okay with it. And, uh, but one thing that I actually, I really enjoy is funny sayings like that, but uh, quotes or anything, I like to just store them in my head of all sorts of different kinds. And I found one uh, recently about plants since we're in our series called New Beginnings, talking about um, growth and our plants and things. It, it said, I thought I was amazing as a human until I realized that plants eat the sun and poop out air. And I was like, man, that is a great quote to keep, you know, in mind. And one of the main reasons I love it is because it's a good reminder about life. Like, I say as humans, especially, like, as Christians, we know we were this pinnacle of all of God's creation. He was so excited to have us. You know, he made everything else. He made man, and he was like, we're almost there. He made woman. He was like, boom, done. We're the pinnacle of creation, us as human beings. But... We also got to stay humble enough to realize that we need the poop of plants to survive on this earth, right? And one of the things that this reminds me of is that I need to stay humble myself, but also to remain teachable and realize that I'm never going to reach to some level where I don't need the environment, that I don't need the world around me, that I don't need the other people around me, and that I always have so much more room to grow. We're in our new series, like I said, New Beginnings, and we're looking at our purpose statement of our church that we've received and why it's our purpose statement and where we have to put in the work to make it happen. Our purpose statement here, like Noah said, is we exist to help each generation gather in community, grow in Christ, and go serve the world. Gather, grow, go. Uh, Pastor Noah encouraged us at the beginning of the year, but I'm going to keep encouraging you for you to memorize our purpose statement so you know where you are in your process with us and, and helping us build this community to reach the community around us. Um, so gather, grow, go. Two weeks ago, we kicked off this series talking about what does it mean to gather in community um, and the purpose of it. If you consider yourself a regular attender here or you're somebody who's like, man, I really want to know more about this church and what does it mean? I I would highly encourage you, and I would say that you need to go back and listen to that message if you didn't hear it, um, because it's so, it's the important beginning, the pro start of our process of our church is gathering in community, and you can find that on Facebook, YouTube, um, it's out on, our, on all podcast platforms, so please take a time if you missed that to go back and listen to it, um, because you're going to need that to really follow along the rest of this series, and really to plant yourself as part of our church here. Um, today, we're talking about growing in Christ, the second part of our process, of our purpose here. We believe that the church should be a place of growth for all believers. As we gather, you know, the first step of it, we should be encouraged and stretched and challenged by one another to become more like Christ. The verse for this series is from Philippians 3, 12 through 14. This is Paul speaking, and he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. 
But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, this is Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he is declaring here how much more he still needs to grow. Right? And he doesn't even just say it like once and there. He mentions it multiple times. And I think that before we can grow in Christ, we have to first establish that we have growth to do. Right? There's always going to be more growth. As long, I heard a saying, as long as you're on this side of heaven, you have work to do. Right? Paul, twice in that verse, you know, and he actually said it multiple times in one of the sections, was declaring, I have not achieved it yet. I'm not there yet. And, and he's like, I want to re-declare that I'm not there, right? But I'm still working towards that. I want to work towards the growth that I have. Paul in Colossians 2, 6-7 shared this. He said, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you are taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. There's so many action words in there of this continuous process of growth, right? Continuing to follow, letting your roots grow down so that your lives may be built up. And there's all these things that he's trying to say. It's not just a one and done thing, right? You've come to know Christ, but there's still work to do. I think most people, when they come to Christ, they have that understanding of all that is available to them through Christ and in Christ. But we kind of expect, you know, that we're changed. I'm a, all these things in my life is, is, is just going to be better. And all, all the things that I, I now need, I have access to. And so it's just going to happen in my life. But just as Paul directed us, it takes effort on our side. We have to put in work. And so, like I said, we, we are understanding where we're at and that we need to grow. We need to humble ourselves, remain teachable, so that we can grow. Because if we don't remain teachable, we will not see the growth that God has for us. And we have to put in the effort towards growth. Craig Lounsborough said, Much like people, the seed always contained the tree. It just needed water and soil to release it. I love this quote because it reminds me of 2 Peter 1-3. That says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Right? Isn't that just so comforting and reassuring that God has given you everything you need to live the life that God has called you to? It's not just floating around out there either. It's not like you can have access to it. You know, I've unlocked the door. It's over here. But it goes on to say that you have received it all. Right? The first verse declares you have everything. It's available to you. The second verse says you've already received it. So just like that seed that has everything it needs to grow into a big tree, you have everything you need inside of you to grow and to walk out the path that God has for you. But just like a seed, you have to take the effort to grow despite being buried, despite times of darkness that's eventually when the tree comes out. Inside of you is the Holy Spirit who's given you everything you need to grow into the man or woman of God that he's created you to be. But you won't get there without putting in the work of growth. 
and staying, you know, as, as this gathering community that we talked about two weeks ago, you have to stay in the right environment. And that begins the beginning of growth. But then it's our effort to grow from there. Peter, later in that same chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, right? And these promises is that he's given us everything. We just read that verse. He's given us everything. We've received it all. Now, in view of that, how are we supposed to respond with this? We supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that the word says supplement your faith with these things. It, it's this idea of ministering to the needs you have, to supply and to furnish. It, it's a process. It's, it's you doing some work to supplement. And then there's this whole process that walks out there. So how do we grow? Well, first off, it comes from that first step of our purpose of gathering with one another. It's why we need each other. Um, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Right? And we, we need each other to be refined and to be shaped into the person that God's created us to be. But also as Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, this is a verse that's part of our core values of community. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to do acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Right? We need the gathering to motivate each other to continue to do the work of growth. Right? When we gather, we spur each other on, whether it's through encouragement, through tough conversations, through seeing other people who are growing and realizing, wow, I have more growth to do, but especially through intentional discipleship. Right? These things, this is the right environment for growth. Secondly, when we grow we gather with Christ to grow. We're spending time with Jesus leads to growth. Paul in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18 says, for the, spirit is, for the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more like him, more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. For, when it says those who have their veil removed, what, what Paul is saying there is for those who have come to know Jesus, we can, we can now see him and gaze upon him. And when we see Jesus, when we spend time in his presence, we should be changed into his glorious image. Right? But this isn't a one-time transformation. In the ESV version, in verse 18, it says, and we all with unveiled face, again, those people with their veils removed, those who have come to know Jesus, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, the same image that they're beholding, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. But this says you're changed from one degree of glory to another. It's this small process of growth. Frank and I were just talking this morning about how when you go anywhere and you expect change to happen, that it's better to lead into it little by little by little instead of trying to make this giant change all at once. And that's exactly how it works in our lives, is that every time we meet with God, we're changed one degree more like Jesus. I recently read, this is a little side note that just reminded me here. It says that 
we are, whatever we're beholding, the behold the glory of the Lord that we're changed into his likeness, one glory and another. And that word beholding is like, almost like an idolizing. Like you just, you just want to gaze upon that. You want it to be first and foremost in your life. Now this truth about God is true about whatever else we may be beholding and putting first in our life. That we behold something and we make you know, family or we make even good things like family and friends or our work, if we make that the main purpose that we live, the thing that we wake up for, the, the way we shape our whole lives around that one thing, that's the image we will start to become. But when we behold God, when we behold Jesus and we let him shape and decide how our lives are going to look, that's when we start to become more and more in his image. Now, here's the deal. I have no idea how many degrees there are to become like Jesus. My rough estimate is probably infinite, uh, just because I know that I have a long way to go, and so it has to be a big number. And I feel like I've come pretty far, so that I feel like there has to be a lot of degrees. And so when you come to church, you should walk out of here one degree more like Jesus. When you open your Bible and you read a verse or more, you should leave that interaction with Jesus one more degree like him. When you pray, when you meditate, when you take your Sabbath rest, when you witness to somebody else, when you're discipling someone or being discipled, when you're fellowshipping in our community groups or wherever with other believers, you should walk away one degree more like Jesus. Right? And it's not about the knowledge you gain in the study. While that's definitely helpful, the growth comes from being with Jesus. You cannot spend time with Jesus and walk away the same person, right? And if you think, well, I have, then you probably didn't spend time with Jesus. Now, I believe you can read your Bible and not meet with Jesus, especially if you're just going into it because you need to check it off your list. And I know that because I've done it. I believe you can come to church and not meet with Jesus because you're doing it because you know you're supposed to. And I know that because I've done that. Yet often, somehow in our Christian faith, we we come to find ourselves in moments where we say, I don't feel like I'm growing anymore. And we start to look outward. We start to go, man, well, something in my environment might not be right. And sometimes that's true. But often it's because we're not making the effort in the right direction to see growth. There's a, a, a book that I'm reading right now, but he talks about our relationship with Jesus is a relationship of love. You know, and when you first get in a relationship with someone, I remember when Victoria and I first started chatting and talking, it was like I, every time I got a text, I was just hoping it was her, right? And I was going to read it and be excited. And most of the time she didn't text me because she was less excited about me than I was about her, I'm sure. Um, but, but, you know, I was just excited. I wanted to spend all my time with her. You know, if I got, we lived three hours away when we first started, like, talking and things. And, it, like, I would work out my whole life to make sure I could get down to Kansas City to hang out with her. You know, and if, it, if I, wasn't, I wasn't able to, I'm like, hey, you're coming up this weekend, right? And I would make all of my efforts to shape my life around being with her and spending time with her. Okay, now we are 12 years into our marriage. And, you know, it's, it's not quite the same. You know, it's, it's kind of like, man, maybe I could adjust my life to spend less time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but... But the effort is not the same. Now it's like, I know I need to spend time with my wife because I do love her. And now it's a choice that I have. We, we schedule time. 
to be able to spend time together to work on a relationship. But before, like, it was, well, duh, I'm going to make time for her. Now it's like, we got to get this on the calendar, otherwise we may not make this happen. You know, it's why we only had three kids and we've stopped. No, but there's effort that needs to go in in our relationship with Jesus in that same way. Right? Sometimes it feels like the love of our relationship is growing stale, but that's because you just need to put in actual work. Schedule date times with Jesus. Make that effort to continue that relationship. Right? I can guarantee that he loves you 100% the same way that he did day one and will for forever. And that he's there waiting for that moment for you to just come and encounter him. It takes effort on your part to find that growth. And it, I think we don't feel like it does when we first get saved because it feels effortlessly to be in love with him and to hang out with him. But as we grow in Christ, it does take more effort. You know, and that's the importance of becoming devoted to the habits of Jesus, to those basics we've talked about before. It will help you to grow exponentially because they are purposeful things you do to spend time with Jesus. These basics of reading your Bible and study and meditation, having set times of prayer, witnessing to other people, taking your Sabbath and praise and worship, all of those things, when we devote ourselves to the habits of that, we will see growth. Did you know that only two of those habits were ever commanded of us? And that's that we should go and be witnesses and the second one is honoring our Sabbath, which I think it's kind of weird because it's probably the things as Christians we do the least, especially in America. But the rest of them doesn't make them less important because they are observed regular practices of Jesus connecting with God. And that's how we know, man, I want to become devoted to the same habits Jesus had. That will help grow me into his image. Right? If you're just doing these things to check off the list, it's not going to bring the same amount of life. Your spiritual seedling, we'll say, is going to grow in wisdom. It'll probably grow in some discipline, but it may not be growing in Christ. When you practice the ways of Jesus, the habits of Jesus, to be a better reflection of him in the world, then you become grow, someone who grows in his image. John Mark Comer said, think of it like this. The end goal is, a life, is life to the full with Jesus. The end is to spend every waking moment in the conscious enjoyment of Jesus' company, to spend our entire lives with the most loving and joyful and peaceful person to ever live. He goes on in his book to talk about habits um, being like the trellises that our plant of life grows on. And the point of a trellis isn't to make the vines stand up straight in neat rows, right? but rather that we would be able to attain a rich, deep glass of wine, is what he says, because it's about the fruit it's not about the plant. The, the trellises for the vines exist so that the fruit can be bared. But not, and that's the, the habits. It's not to just make us look nice. It's so that we eventually bear fruit. And unlike other types of habits, the practices of Jesus aren't just exercises for your mind and body to grow their willpower muscle or, their, or to cultivate character. They're far more. They're how we open our minds and our bodies to a power far beyond our own and begin to affect change, right? And now, for myself, I, I've done Bible college. I've been an avid reader. I love to read. 
I, I decided a long time ago in my life that I would always be a lifelong learner, that if I have an opportunity to learn something new, that I will take that opportunity because I want to stay in that mindset of being able to continue to learn. But if somebody asked me, how did I get here today? I don't talk about by Bible college classes. I don't, I, there's probably books that come up because I have a hard time. Like I said, I like quotes and so I keep them in my mind. But I attribute all my real growth as a Christian to time that I spent with Jesus. From about 2008 to 2010, um, I worked full time in a house of prayer. So I, I spent honestly 60 to 100 hours a week in a house of prayer, praying, worshiping, praying for other people, studying my Bible, and just being in the presence of God. Right? And I know that we haven't all had that opportunity, but you can put that effort to get there. And you know what happened during those years? I, I didn't have a job. I was pretty broke. I lived in my parents' basement. To everybody else, you know, my life would look like a failure, right? Because I, I graduated and that's all I did. Right? I wasn't accomplishing anything in my career. I wasn't moving. But that growth has made me to who I am today. And it's so much worth, it's worth so much more than I could ever express in the value of anything else out there in the world to spend time with God and be transformed into his image. Now, these basics, these habits, these practices of Jesus, they're important because they're, they get you in that consistent relationship with Jesus, keep bringing you before him over and over throughout your day. So get into them. If you want to know more, like I said, we've talked about them before. You can find it in our past sermons. But we're also starting a 10-day um, Bible study in the, Bible, in the YouVersion Bible app as a church today. Um, if you want to join in on that, you can scan the QR code that's in front of you and find the link for that and get into that with us. Right? Start, start now. Why not start today and read that and be encouraged with one another as we're supposed to be that environment of growth for each other? You can find it in our Facebook group. Because beyond spending time with Jesus, that's obviously the first and foremost way we'll ever grow more into the image of Christ. I think the second greatest area for growth is intentional discipleship. Jesus left us with instructions on how we are to continue the work that he left for us on earth before he ascended to heaven. And these instructions were called the Great Commission and they're found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to, to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that. We were... You know, like, I guess earlier as we were saying, Paul said, after coming to know Jesus, you must continue to follow him, right? And that's what this verse is saying. This is how you continue to follow me beyond the moment that he walked off the earth, right? We are supposed to make disciples. And then what do we do with those new disciples? We teach them all that we know, which means that you can start discipling someone at any point in your journey, at any point in your walk with Christ, because you're only, you know, speculators. Uh, qualification is to tell them what you already know. And so you know what you know, right? So I, I, people disqualify themselves often. Like, I can't disciple someone else. I've only been a Christian for a small amount of time. Hey, you're only supposed to teach them what you know, right? And the best part of it is, as we are all growing, we should constantly be learning more. We should constantly be gaining more things to teach those people beneath us. 
no one is exempt from this. This is a command for all Christians to be making disciples and teaching them what you know. And also that means you should have someone discipling you, teaching you what they know. Right? And again, this takes effort. Right? You will need to make an effort to meet with someone regularly. Now, I don't say the discipleship, I don't think you need to be going through some Bible study together. You know, I think you can, obviously. You don't need to make sure you're meeting at a coffee house because that's what it looks like when you watched that Christian video last time, you know. Right? It just means do some life together regularly. Maybe you just run errands every Tuesday. And you say, hey, on Tuesdays, can you just run errands with me? Or maybe you're working on a project car or you got, you know, things you want to need to do around the house and you know you're going to need some more hands. Say, hey, can you come over and help me out? And in the meantime, while you're doing that stuff, you're going to stop, you're going to take breaks, you're going to grab lunch, you're going to grab food, you're going to be able to talk while you're working and you teach them what you know. You chat about life. See, the purpose is having someone that knows you on a personal level that can teach you the things to get you through the stage of life that you are currently in. Right? I cannot disciple all of you. Jesus discipled 12 people. One of them betrayed him, okay? So, right, this is way too many, right? If Jesus only does that, I'm down to like one, maybe half, um, you know? And then you can't even trust me to not like lead you to betray me, okay? Um, but you need other people in your life. And I can't get up here and speak a message that is personal to where you are at every week for every person here. But that's why you need these people that are discipling you so they know where you're at and they can say, hey, where you're going through right now, I've been there. Or maybe I haven't been there, but I know someone who has. We should meet together. Or you know what? Let's just pray about it. Let's get in the word together. Let's see what's going on like in scripture so that we can help you. Um, we've talked about this before, but so the idea of that we need a lot more spiritual travel guides in our church and not spiritual travel agents. The main difference between those two, let's say you're planning a vacation, right, and you're going to go whitewater rafting. You call up a travel agent, and they can tell you, you know, here's some really good places. These ones got the best reviews, right? I can even schedule it for you. And so you, you schedule it, and you get there, but your travel agent's still just sitting back in their office talking to the next person, right? And now you're handed off to somebody else, and their role is done. Right, but now a travel guide, they know all that same information. Right? You call them up, hey, I want to go whitewater rafting. Oh, let me tell you, these are the best places to go, the best times. Um, they help you choose the best river. They do all those things. But when you show up there to get on the river, they're already there. Right? They're handing you all the gear. They're showing you how to use it. They're making sure you're buckled up all safe. They help you into the boat, and then they hop in the boat with you. And then they go down that river, and when you're about to fall out, they're grabbing you, putting you in. They're like, battle faster like your life depends on it. You know, and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And, and that is discipleship and 100% all the time. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing, but we're doing it together. All right, I got a little bit more experience because you don't know. Uh, Victoria and I went um, to Costa Rica on our honeymoon. We were given it as a gift, and it was amazing. And, uh, but we went on a jet ski tour. And uh, we did actually did two tours, an ATV tour and a jet ski tour. And our, um, our travel guide was like a 16-year-old kid, right? both times. And a uh, different, different guy both times, but like 16 at most. And you know, I'm like, I don't, he's taking us out on the ocean to the middle of nowhere. I'm like, well, let's see what happens. And 
We're on the ATV, we're driving up, and he takes us through this river, and he drowns his ATV. So I'm helping him pull his ATV back out, you know, and it's like, what is going on? But he knew just enough more about the area than I did. I couldn't got to the places we got to without him. He was teaching me what he knew. Right? And that's what it is. You don't have to be the expert. You don't even got to look like an expert, okay? You just got to be somebody who's willing to get into life with other people and guide them to the best of your ability, to what you already know. And we need this, guys. We will not grow without each other. I think churches have been set up for too long to have, you know, maybe a small group of travel guides and everybody else just acts as agents. You know, they, hey, I told someone about church and they're gonna come today. And so they show up and you're like, yeah, if you got questions, talk to that guy. You know, I heard you were struggling with that. That person over there probably could help you. You know, and all we do is kind of point them to the other few people in church that we trust. But guys, it's your responsibility to disciple people. Uh, Unlike being a whitewater rafting guide, needing to do some safety courses, I would hope, beforehand, when you're a Christian, you become labeled as a guide. Because discipleship could also be translated as apprentices. Right? Did you know that that's the same word? That Jesus had 12 main apprentices that he was leading. And out of those 12, he had three that he brought into a little bit more intimate, deeper moments that they could learn. Right? Sometimes I think that the word discipleship sounds a little bit Christianese and we don't know what to do with it. And that's why I bring up this idea of being a guide or, or maybe think of it as an apprenticeship. Because that's all it is, right? I, I'm an apprentice of Jesus right now. I want to learn from him and become like him and do what he does. And that's what your hopes is for your disciples or that the person you're finding to disciple you is you're just saying, I want to be their apprentice. And I want you guys to, to be like me as I learn to be like Christ. Honestly, when I've seen some of the most growth in a person's life, and even my own, is when... I've taken on or I've seen people taking on the responsibility for other people's Christian walks. Right? Whether they start leading something in the church, but even more so when they start discipling others. It challenges you to grow because they start asking questions that maybe you forgot you wrestled with before. And it reminds you, or maybe you're like, I don't really have a good answer for that. And it causes you to dig deeper. It keeps you alive. You know, I, um, they talk about people who have children later in life, that it is as exhausting as it probably is, it also rejuvenates you because all of a sudden you're imparting life into these new lives again. And spiritual life is just the same where if you start taking that responsibility of the people around you and saying, hey, I want to help you grow like Christ, it rejuvenates your own spiritual life the same way. This has to become something that begins to be core to our culture here. That we take on the responsibility of growth for each other through being a travel guide or an apprentice, those discipleship relationships. Like I said, it starts with relationships. This is why growing in Christ follows gathering in community because the relationships that you build while we gather in community, discipleship should come out of them. You're going to find people you go, wow, I do want to learn what you know. Can we hang out some more? That you need to invite people into your life and you need to accept the invites into other people's lives. These things should be happening naturally. 
especially if you take the first message um, in this, ser- this series seriously, because it's about getting to know each other beyond just Sundays. You should be making those efforts to get in each other's lives already. And, uh, you know, I'm going to throw this out there that if we don't start seeing some of these things happen, and you're going to show up here on some Sunday morning, it's going to be set up like speed dating, but discipleship style. Okay? Um, I'm already thinking through how it's going to work. So some of you are like, please don't put me in that situation. Well, just do your job. Okay? No. Uh, but otherwise, I'm, it's there. We're like borderline thinking about it, aren't we, Mason? So, uh, but I also want to bring up here that each of our growth paths like in life, are unique to us. While all the things, same things to help us grow, because of how we were created, though, we, are all, we all grow differently. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Right? We have something specific. A, we, you were made purposefully on purpose. With a purpose. For a purpose. Right? Lots of purposes, but but I love that because every one of us is unique. I can't get you to your growth in this setting fully without effort on your part, finding your way down your path. There's a quote that says, plants are more courageous than almost all human beings. An orange tree would rather die than produce lemons. Whereas instead of dying, the average person would rather be someone they are not. Part of finding your growth is finding your place in building the church. Not just this church, but worldwide church. And so our, our following series after this, we're going to talk about more on like how we are each uniquely designed to build the church and have a place and a purpose in it. But don't try to be someone else who's living someone else's purpose. You know, discipleship is important, but you're probably not going to be exactly like that person. And your disciples are probably not going to be exactly like you. Your goal is to help them find how God created them and get them plugged into places. Now, the general teachings of Jesus and becoming like Jesus does reach all of us equally. Our growing in Christ will be the beginning of our outward growth as a church. Gathering in community is what roots us. It takes us deeper. It helps us to individually be anchored to each other in a healthy way. But as we begin the discipleship relationships, as we individually start putting in effort to follow these habits of Christ, we will begin to grow up and out of the ground, and we will be seen. And next week, we're going to talk about what does that mean then for going to serve the world? What is our fruit that we're supposed to be bearing to the world around us? But can I ask you a question? Can we all agree to grow in 2023? To say, I don't want to be here at the end of the year. I want to be multiple degrees farther ahead than where I am today. So some steps towards growth you can take today. These are things we've been talking about. Find someone to disciple you and find someone to disciple. Both of those things, you should have both in your life. There better be a call where someone's like, can you disciple me? <laughs> if not, just hang up or ask them maybe. I don't know who it is. could be bad. Find someone to disciple you and find someone to disciple Secondly, think over the basics for those habits of Christ and make a plan to get them into your life. Take a spiritual gift test. See how God has purposefully made you, uniquely made you so that you can start growing into your purpose. If if you want more help on getting those basics 
into your life, those habits of Christ. Um, on New Year's Day, we talked about making godly resolutions, resolutions God wants you to succeed in and will help you to succeed in. And it's a lot about this. How do you put these practices into your life in a, in a healthy and approachable way? Um, so dig into that because it just has so much to do with your growth as a Christian is getting down these habits of Christ. So let's pray. Jesus, I, you know, first off, I'm just thankful that you don't expect me to become like you in one moment. God, that you understand that it's a process and that it is a slow process of one degree to another, Lord. God, I'm thankful for the people you've placed in my life that help me to grow, that encourage me to grow, that speak those truths into my life, and that you give me people that I get to speak truths into that keep encouraging me to grow. Lord, I just ask you would never let us become stale Christians, people that just don't grow anymore. God, may we put in that, that effort into our relationship to continually see more growth in our lives, Lord. God, I pray that you would lead us to the right people to, to get into a discipleship relationship with. That you would help encourage each, each of us to be those guides when people walk into this church. That we would take on that responsibility of other people's faiths, Lord. God, beyond all that, I'm thankful that you've given me everything I need to walk out the life that you've planned for me. God, would you help me to really reach in and grab that and start to just let it unfold before me, Lord. As I put in the work of growth, Lord, would, may I see your hand just flow through my life and the life of all these people around me, Lord. God, we love you so much. We're just so thankful for all you're going to do this year. Man, I'm excited to see where we are at next year if we can commit to this growth. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so go and grow in Christ today.